Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show. We are bra- we are back. Had to take a little break for Thanksgiving. We're the podcast that you want to take as the 1.01 in your league. I got my normal crew. I got Brad, Lee Stevens. What's going on, my man? <laughs> it feels like Christmas, man. I we had a we took a Thanksgiving break and we got dropped the Russell Westbrook gift into our lap. Ooh, a little bit of foreshadowing there. I do have to give credit to the next guy because he was the one that came up with Bradley Stevens. But I got James Posey, Lewis. What's going on, Coach? Man, I used to love James Posey, man. What a grinder. He's big on that Celtics championship team. Lakers, baby. Lock it in. The next three years, the whole league is going to be chasing this team because they penciled LeBron James and AD back. So I'm ecstatic. Uh, I wish I was David and had the soundtrack because I would boo that. But we have a we have a guest joining us, and he's a CEO of What You Ask, P2W Fantasy, where you just don't play to play, you play to win. When he's not giving solid fantasy advice, he's a hashtag girl dad or in the office. He was so popular in college, he earned the nickname Scriptman, the only guy to be on two different Triple Play Fantasy Sports podcasts. The man with so many jerseys, Jersey Mike's should sponsor him. We welcome Nick Scripp. What is going on, my man? Hey, I, I've been on a, a handful of different podcasts, and nobody gives an intro like you guys, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on again. Uh, always nice talking uh, whatever sport with, uh, with Triple Play, so I, I do appreciate being back on the show with you guys. Yeah, and it's a blast to have you on. Um, for those listening, Nick does a solid job running P2W Fantasy, and uh, he's one of the people that we've really connected with in this Twitter community. So um, pleasure to have him on our basketball show. And guys, we have a great show planned for today because with the NBA season starting a few weeks down the road, we actually want to get into the fantasy side of things. So in this episode, we're going to cover guards. We're going to have four topics a star that you'd overpay or draft higher than consensus, a sleeper, a bust, and a rookie that you think that will provide some value. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. What's the best NBA jersey you've ever owned? And as always, we'll have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, some news and notes. First little bit of news and notes, and you know we had to talk about it, especially as Wizards fans. Trading point guard for point guard, the Wizards trade John Wall and a 2023 heavily protected pick to the the Rockets for Russell Westbrook. Uh, Kind of, I guess, a trade that both teams needed to make. Both uh, star point guards kind of seemed unhappy in their current uh, place. So, Nick, I want to start with you. Do you like the trade? Do you think anyone uh, was a winner or a loser? And what are your expectations for both teams? Um, you look at these two, obviously John Wall um, out last season, uh, but we've seen him be uh, elite through his career. Um, Russell Westbrook's this explosive guy that can throw down triple doubles like nobody's business. Both guys are, are very good point guards. Um, I think I think it came down to a, a fit sort of thing. And I, I'm not sure that Westbrook with Harden was the best um, thing for the Rockets. And I think a lot of people expected a little bit more out of them too. Um, I think James Harden, I don't know if it was a rumor, but came out and said he he prefers John Wall over 
Russell Westbrook, which obviously you're going to say that you're not going to say to your new teammate, Hey, I preferred the other guy, but I think, I think the, uh, the Rockets were looking for something to make the team maybe mesh a little bit better than it was, because I think they were a little bit disappointing last year, despite um, being a playoff team and things like that. So I think, I, th- I think maybe Harden gets a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost here. Um, maybe can have the ball in his hands a little bit more, even with John Wall being a, a point guard and um, the wizards, I think too. I mean, they got a lot of good pieces. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Hachimera. Um, I think uh, that, that addition maybe gives him a boost in his second year. You know, what's interesting is we don't usually see trades where stars of this magnitude are traded for each other, especially because the Rockets just gave up, I think four first round draft picks for Russell Westbrook. And after one season, they're deciding that experiment didn't work. Coach, I want to talk with you on this. Who do you think won this trade, or do you think both teams benefited? I think without a doubt, the Wizards win this trade. Like, they knocked it out the park. Uh, they they moved the most, what I thought was an unmovable contract in John Wall. Um, we have him booked for, you know, over $100 million and he hasn't played in, like, two years. Uh Russell Westbrook is going to give uh, a breath of fresh air in this Wizards organization. I think Rui could benefit as well as uh, he, he's a tough guy. Um, Russell Westbrook is uh, as as tough and as fierce as it com- and as durable as it comes. And that's why I'm banking on this as a Wizards fan. I'm more excited than I've been. And I, I can't even think of the last time I was this excited to watch Wizards basketball um, with Westbrook coming up 100 miles an hour. I mean, he's probably the greatest rebounder at the point guard position that I've seen. Um, I know that there's a little stat stuffing that goes along um, when it comes to Westbrook, but he's going to give you your all, and he's going to be reliable on the court. Um, I'd love to see what it looks like with him and Brad to play with each other since, you know, Russell and other stars, they don't typically fit the greatest. Uh, But I'm super, super optimistic, and I I think they definitely won this trade. Houston – just hope that John Wall comes back to his normal self. I mean, we love John here in Washington. We've watched him grow up to be the stand-up man, the stand-up man in the community that he's been. Him reuniting with uh, DeMarcus Cousins is just, like, real cool. And maybe that entices James to really want to buy in and um, continue to wear that Rockets uniform. But, yeah, the Wizards won this trade. One, okay. one first-round protected pick. That's that is that is not too much to give up for Russell Westbrook. Brad, are you thinking the same? Absolutely. Uh, I think this is the the rare trade where both teams actually win and get what they need. Um, I think from the Wizards' perspective, I just I don't see a lot of negative with the trade. It's it's like there's two things that worry me about Russell Westbrook, and one is that you know as he ages, his explosiveness is going to come down a little bit, and he won't be the same player. But that hasn't happened yet, and we, there's no signs that that's going to happen, really. He's, he's kind of a fascinating specimen, much like LeBron is. And then the second is that he's a bad shooter. He's, he's got terrible efficiency. He takes bad shots, and when he takes those bad shots, they tend not to go in. Um, but he everything else he brings – He did, he did. But everything else he brings is like you're getting an MVP player. You're getting rebounds. You're getting assists. You're getting pace. You're getting points. You're getting just a, a fierce uh, uh, mentality. You know, everybody says that he's this, this great teammate that they, the best teammate that he's that they've ever had. And uh, young players tend to grow, and and because of him, 
And I'm just really excited for what he brings. And then on the Rockets side, I don't see that this is going to be a big, a big change for them. I think um, you do two things. You get a little bit younger, even if it is only by a couple of years. And if you're going to get rid of Harden, I'm not opposed to kind of having John Wall as like a centerpiece for a bridge transition thing. Um, secondly, I think they can work really well together. He's going to do things that Russell, Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook wouldn't do, which was, you know, feed him the ball, feed Harden the ball. And um, I think the way Russ plays as an MVP, it's kind of like they had to find their own chemistry. They had to both find a way to, to make sure that both of their games could shine through. But John Wall is much better at being a complimentary piece because he's great at transition. He's great at setting people up and he doesn't have to shoot all the time. Yeah. So I think it works for both teams and, and I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, and kind of just echoing that, you know, at first when I saw the trade and I saw that the Wizards gave up a 2023 first round, I was like, why are we giving up assets? Uh, I do feel better that it's heavily protected. Just yeah. kind of looking at the business side of things, Tommy Shepard took over and he was an interim GM. And as a Wizards fan, I hate being in kind of, you know, middle land. I think that th- this is their ceiling as a fourth or fifth team in the East. And I know the Heat just got to the finals. I'd say that's kind of a rare circumstance. Um, but I do understand that he's trying to run been in the league for in the East for 12 years or whatever. Yeah. I just, I, I would have rather see them go complete rebuild because I don't think that this is a championship team, but I understand that Tommy Shepard doesn't have the longest leash. He certainly probably doesn't have 16 years that Ernie Grunfeld did. So he's trying to make the most and he did land a big name, Russell Westbrook, whether you love him or hate him, he is a big name that people will pay to see. Um, I want to so, I want to go on record right now. I absolutely think the Wizards can make the Eastern Conference Finals, if not represent the East. Okay. I think they have all the pieces. I'm not. I'm not even like. Ooh. I'm not even trying to be a homer right now. Like I honestly think they have all the pieces to to beat like the Nets or the Celtics. Well, all right. Well, this this is coming out before the season starts. So, Brad, if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> or uh, the NBA Finals, we'll certainly play this back and give you your clout. Next, a little bit of news and notes. <laughs> Training camps open up. Um, short turnaround time between playoffs and the start of this season. The league sent out a 134-page COVID-19 safety protocol. It covers certain things about, um, such as what happens if a player tests positive, how the team will handle it, and when a player can resume basketball activities. Testing was done the other day, and 48 out of 546 players were tested. So, as cases surge in the U.S., do you think the NBA should be pushing to resume or start their season this early um, coach 30 seconds or less kind of just give me your thoughts. Uh, yes. I mean, that's the plan in motion. <clears throat> they really want to get this Christmas game slate in and try to get as much TV revenue as possible. Um, these are professional athletes. They're resilient. They adapt. Um, this is their entire makeup. And so uh, they're kind of going all in for that next year, but to kind of try and get some of that money back, um, they really wanted to start this early and Hey, it's not really fair for the players, but they, um, like I said, they're resilient. And, and I honestly think that they'll be able to adjust. Oh, poor players that are making millions of dollars, bad playing a game they love. I I'm just, you know, kind of playing devil's advocate. Obviously I know it's, it's a big toll on their bodies. Uh, Brad, you feel a similar way? You know, it's interesting. One of the things that made the NBA bubble so special is that it kind of proved that if you take the right precautions, you can get through a pandemic season with no positive tests. 
and ensuring everyone's long-term health and earnings power. They're about to get started again, and they've already got 48 positives, you know, obviously because players didn't have to be that kind of stringent anymore. But uh, now, maybe because it was bad for their mental health or because it cost too much to operate, it doesn't look like the league's going to do that same bubble or at least a very, very, uh, a variation of what they did. And instead they're going to opt for less travel. Um, I think it's going to be a lot like baseball was, you know, where you see a few positive here, maybe an outbreak there, a handful of postponed games, <laughs> but I think, but I think they'll finish the season and um, they'll be sheltered from the public enough, you know, with their protocols that they probably won't have to worry about the recent surge and coronavirus now. Brad, I, I love when you said that. I can just imagine like a gif, like, oh, a sprinkle of outbreak here, a little bit of outbreak over there. I mean, that's um, what it was, right? Like the Marlins would just have an outbreak and they'd have to cancel for like a week. Like that's how it was. Yeah. Nick, do you share the same thoughts as them? Yeah, just in, just in short, um, they're not going to have, obviously, with all teams involved, you know, that one bubble that has all the teams. But they were successful in the past um, keeping things under control. So, it just comes down to each organization. If they, you know, take the appropriate measures, it might be like Brad said, like baseball, where you're going to have things that pop up here and there. But I think they will have the flexibility to move games around with such a long season and just deal with what pops up. So um, is it, you know, the safest thing in the world? Maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, they were successful before. Roll with it and just make sure that you have regulations on what needs to happen going forward. Yeah, very well said. And the only thing I'll add I think it's unanimous that Adam Silver is the best commissioner in all big four sports in America. And he, he's been pretty proactive and on top of anything that has been thrown to him in his time being commissioner of the NBA. So I trust his plan moving forward. Last little bit of news and notes. Just want to touch on this real quickly. Opening night matchup, December 22nd, Nets versus Warriors. Brad, you like that matchup? I don't think we know enough about either team and how it will gel you know, to feel any sort of way about the matchup. But I'll say there's a ton of players on both teams I want to see. And I can't wait till they play. Nick, you like that matchup? I do, just kind of like what uh, Brad said. um, We don't know a ton uh, about how the team's going to mesh together, how they're going to look, just because we were missing a lot of those guys last year. So I think it's exciting to see some of the guys uh, come back um, and be ready to go for the season. So it's going to be an interesting one. Coach, you feeling the same way? I'm... I don't know. I think I'm cranking the volume all the way up on this. I'm so, 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 so excited to see Steph Curry come back and play basketball as well as Kevin Durant. I think both of them are going to manage. I think both of them are going to have big nights. Um, They are itching to get back on the basketball court. And these are two of, you know, our five best players in the NBA. Um, And you know how I feel about James Wise. I can't wait to see how that rookie stud looks in his debut. Yeah, it's interesting because this is Kevin Durant's first game against the Warriors since he left him, you know, a place where he won uh, two titles. Um, I personally think the Nets are going to blow them out uh, opening day or opening night. I think the loss of Klay Thompson is really going to hurt. And I think I think even though Kevin Durant left on good terms, he has a little chip on his shoulder to prove that, you know, he kind of left on his terms. Last little bit of news and notes. Kobe will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in May 2021. Well-deserved. Obviously, a legend gone way too soon. Nick, what's your favorite Kobe memory? Um, I just I just like the interviews, man, talking about the Mamba mentality and what that actually meant. Um, obviously, we can talk about certain plays and, um, you know, things he did in games, but I, I just like the one-on-one Mamba talks with, with Kobe, just taking that sort of uh, mentality 
to every sport. You know, I'm a, co- I'm a soccer coach. Um, and I've talked about Mamba mentality to my kids often and, and what that actually means to put in the way extra effort and things and actually be fully committed. So I, I just like the, the mentality talks with Kobe, um, maybe even over just some of his highlights and things like that. Ooh, I like it a little bit outside the box answer. Coach, one memory, one. <laughs> I, man, I absolutely agree, agree with Nick. I thought that was a really good point. I mean, it, it, when I was thinking about this, is his character just stands out to me. His words really, really come to me. Um, his coming back from 3-2 against the Celtics in the NBA Finals, that, that was his legacy on the line. And that victory alone um, – put him up there with the, with the greats of all, all time. So I think that being able to lead that Laker team post Shaq and then come back against the Celtics and the three, two deficit in the NBA finals is his shining moment. And when I think about his greatest accomplishment, I, I go right to that, even though his game seven performance, he couldn't really um, put the ball in the basket too much. He did every single other thing that affected winning in that game seven. And ultimately they, um, they hosted the hosted the, the championship at the end. Brad, what's your favorite Kobe memory? My favorite Kobe memory is in 2008 when he was on the Summer Olympics redeem team that won the gold medal. So I was 15. I was either going into ninth or tenth grade that summer. I remember always checking to see when the games were, so I could wake up at like two or three a.m. and catch them since they were in China. And I'd wake up, I'd study Kobe since he was already one of my favorite players and he was the captain. I'd study what he did, and then I'd take a nap, and me and my hooping friends would just go play basketball all day until the next day came around and you'd do it again. There were no bills, no school, no issues, just being 15 and playing all day, trying to be like Kobe. So it's not really a memory of him, more so the times that were tied to him. Brad, you just gave away to your listeners uh, how old you are, so I hope you're okay with that. (laughs) My favorite Kobe memory, real quick, um, waking up and seeing that he scored 81 um, for those, you know, that listen, obviously David and I are big sports fans. And I remember I woke up and I went to NBA.com. I was 11 years old. So I'm giving away my age. And, uh, I knocked on David's door and I said, David, guess how many Kobe scored? And he said, 60. I said, no, 70. No. And he was like, he like shot up out of bed. He said, I'm coming downstairs. Don't tell me. And realizing just even in today's NBA, you see somebody score 50, 60, even 70. And you're like, wow. And you think about 81 and how many less possessions there were, especially him scoring 55 in the second half and them having that comeback win over the Raptors. I think just obviously second uh, most points in the game of all time, but wow, somebody just locked in. But speaking of locking in, do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about reaching for us like the Cavs did with Anthony Bennett and giving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and IG at TripPlayFantasy. Myself and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, occasionally showing David tweeting for clout, and our weekly episode drops. You know that feeling you get when a player slips to you that you really want to draft and you click draft right away? That's what we want to be. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Fantasy Basketball Guard Preview. You know, we're a fantasy show, so we got to talk a little basketball in terms of fantasy perspective. 
And we're going to cover with four separate topics, a star that you'd overpay or draft higher than consensus, the sleeper that you'd pay more for a draft higher, um, a bust who you're avoiding for the price or the ADP, and a rookie that will provide some value. Obviously, there are a couple different formats for basketball. You have head-to-head points, you have roto, um, you have categories. I think uh, kind of no matter the format you play, if, if a player is a bust, a sleeper, et cetera, they're going to provide that value. So the first topic is the star. And wh- who are you willing to pay a higher price for? So besides the Hardens and the old Westbrooks, not many guards are drafted super high. So what player would you reach for, even if it's in the first round, that you're making sure you're secure? Nick, you're the guest, and I want to start with you. Yeah, so um, I actually personally have this guy on my dynasty team, and he's listed as a point guard. I don't know if he came into the league as a point guard, but Luka Doncic for me. Um, I've looked at some some mock drafts, and you see Westbrook and Harden, and even some sometimes people are reaching early for Curry with the return, but Luka Doncic for me, there's 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 not a weakness in his game. Um, coming into the league, people question like his speed of play. What's that going to be like? Could he actually create things for an offense, or will he just be a a shooter kind of guy? And um, you might critique his one v one ability at times defending, but I mean he's still a good defender. But he does everything. There's nothing this guy doesn't do. Um, the whole season last year, twenty eight point five points per game, nine point four rebounds, eight point seven. Uh, assists, and then he's averaging about 33.1 minutes. So he's on the court a lot. He's almost averaging a triple-double. And then last year when he goes to the bubble, you know, he was a little bit banged up um, on the year here and there, but he goes to the bubble, and almost every game he was having a a triple-double, it seemed like. He he almost went 30-10-10 on an average in the bubble. So the guy does it all. I think from a fantasy basketball perspective, uh, a lot of the times the the higher scorers are your centers and – other guys like uh, your Hardens who just score like a crazy amount of points. But when you're putting up the statistics on a consistent basis for all the categories like Luca does, he's a smash draft for me. Um, before he got hurt last year, I think he was in the, the talks of like the MVP of the league just by his performances. So um, Luca is the guy for me. Um, I'm drafting him ahead of almost everybody. Um, there might be one or two guys I'd consider uh, in front of him. And I might be a little bit biased because I have him, but I, I truly believe in that just because of that triple double um, ability he has. Not going to disagree with you. Um, all great points you make. And Luca is a walking triple double. His average ADP according to ESPN.com is 3.1 behind mm-hmm. Jokic and Giannis, I believe. So you're going to have to reach for one if you want him. Yeah. Um, so coach, let me hear yours. I love Luca. Uh, I agree with Nick that he, he's a beast, but um uh, I know you mentioned like the old Westbrook and the new Westbrook is is the guy I'm getting. He's gonna go out there and compete with his walking triple double nature. Um, but the guy that I'm t- t- talking about superstardom is Devin Booker. Devin Booker's play in the bubble tells me that he is ready to take the leap, playing alongside a, a true point guard like CP3. Um, this kid gets better each and every year, um, and I'm looking for him to take another climb. Um, he's productive in assists, rebounds. The shooting percentages are good. And I think that he's probably going to be on the brink of 30 points per game this year. I think he'll be in the top three scoring. Okay. I mean, I, I think Devin Booker is a, is a popular pick as well. And, you know, these are all great players. So you're definitely going to have to reach. Brad, you got a little diversity here? 
well, I was scared coach was going to take mine, and then he went somewhere else. Uh, so one person who I draft high or overpay for is Russell Westbrook. So he's a consensus number five guard right now, and I could convince myself to take him over Harden at one, especially if he gets traded. So I'm willing to make the bet that we're going to get something close to his MVP year where he averaged 25, 10, and 10. Um, Russ and Paul George is very similar to Russ and Brad Beal to me. I think this is going to be an explosive team that teams will want to avoid in the playoffs, and they match up really well with a lot of teams right now. So I think if they're, if Russ's goal is to provide pace and spacing for Brad Beal, he's going to do that with flying colors and pace and spacing, gets him his boards, gets him his assists, gets him his points. I think we're going to see a really high-caliber year for him. Yeah, and if Russell Westbrook shows anything of what he did in OKC, I mean, he's the number one pick because – you know, for triple doubles, he's going to get you points. He's going to get you rebounds. He's going to get you assists. He'll get turnovers, which will be a little detrimental if you do head to head. If you have a bonus for triple double scoring in your leagues, he will certainly get you that as well. Um, he is 32, so a little bit older, but Brad mentioned that he still has that explosiveness. And I think being traded, he does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. All great picks. And I'm glad none of you took mine. For me, I have Trey Young and he is 12th right now in ADP on ESPN. Um, according to Hollinger stats, um, his usage rate was 36.2. So that's behind Luca, Giannis, and Harden. And basically usage rate is the number of possessions a player uses per 40 minutes. And it factors in their field goal attempts, free throw attempts, assist turnovers, basically how much they have the ball in their hand and whether they're creating a scoring opportunity for themselves or for someone else. Um, last year, he averaged 29.6 points per game, 9.3 assists. He shot 36.1% from three and was six and three pointers made. So he's going to help you in a lot of categories. They add Bogdanovich, they add Gallinari, um, kind of spacing. I think people that are going to help him uh, get even more assists. And they brought in Rajon Rondo, who I think will kind of give him that veteran presence. I think Rondo knows he's at the tail end of his career and can maybe show Trey Young how to cut down on his turnovers or just how to be a more effective point guard. Um, you know, if you have, if you're playing in a 12 team league and a redraft, that's going to be the tail end of round one, but I have no problem taking him in the top five or six, because I think he's going to have a breakout season. But with that being said, we're going to be a little pessimist now, and we're going to go to a bust. And this is going to be the guy that you don't want to pay for at their draft position that you're fading, um, you know, maybe someone that you think that just because of their past production or reputation is why they're ranked the way they are. So, Coach, I want to start with you, um, and especially as we're doing a league together, tell me who you're not drafting. I don't. I don't. First of all, I don't like the word "bust," but um, I'm going <laughs> to stay away from Kimba Walker, um, and I'll tell you why. It's I have questions with the knee. He didn't look healthy in the bubble, um, and. For someone that has previous knee uh, injuries, I know how those um, injuries tend to linger. So I'll stay away from players that have injury issues. Kimba Walker is uh, a good player. He's a solid person. I want him on my fantasy team, but not at the number he's slated to be at. Um, I'm going to go pass on uh, people that have injury questions. I'm not getting him or John Wall. Yeah, and that's a good point. I was actually thinking about doing him, but I saw he was out until at least January with a knee issue. So especially in a 72-game season, if somebody is missing 
at least the first couple of weeks. I'd set, I certainly think that that dings their ADP. Brad, let me hear your bust, uh, the guy that you're not drafting. Yeah, Coach is going to get mad at me with this one. I, I think the guy's a superstar, and this is not me saying that he's not a superstar, but I'm going to go Devin Booker. Um, he's rated Whoa! at number Controversy! Continue. Yeah, oh. he's, he's rated at number 19 right now for guards, and that's probably a little high for him, I think. I think the Suns got a lot better as an actual basketball team, but what made Devin Booker so great was that he was the unquestioned guy. He's bringing the ball up the court. He's going to shoot it, or he's going to pass it to the guy that's going to score. That's that. Like, he's going to have all the usage rate. He's going to have all the effect on the game. And now Chris Paul's there. He's going to take the ball up. He's going to decide who's open. He's going to decide what's going to happen. I think that means we're going to see more spot-up jumpers from Devin Booker, which he'll wet. That's what he does. He's a man. But it's going to be a different kind. He's not going to be the, the – the stat stuffer that he was last year because he's going to be on a better team and he's going to have less responsibility. Okay, Brad, so you mentioned that he's 19th in ADP right now. Where would you feel comfortable taking him? So he's 19th for ADP for guards. Um, Just for reference, Kyrie's at 21. I'd rather have Kyrie. Devontae Graham's at 22. I'd rather have him. John Moran at 23. I'd rather have him. Oh, your baby boy. yeah, uh, for fantasy purposes, I, I mean, I like him like uh, maybe 28, 29 when you get ahead of guys like Wiggins and John Wall. And I think he's he's going to be firmly ahead of them in usage and, and what he can provide. But I think Chris Paul is still a very productive player, and he's going to take a lot of, of stats away from Booker. Okay, coach. I know you're you're itching to chomp back. Let me let me get a quick rebuttal from you of why Devin Booker should be a stud instead of a dud. Well, it didn't seem to be a problem for Shea Alexander last year. It didn't seem to be a problem for James Harden the year before playing alongside um, the magician that is CP3. I think that um, Devin's going to get a lot of looks off ball, and um, CP is as true of a point guard as it gets. He's going to be spoon feeding him. And I love Devin Booker's IQ in general. And you balance that with how well CP3 is seemingly um, creating young superstars. I think he's going to take another step. And he's so hot. He was averaging, what, 32 in the bubble? He's a bucket. He give me, give me Devin Booker at number 10 to 14 range. Uh, I'll agree with you that Shea was going off. But if I'm paying for Devin Booker, I want him to do better than Shea. And I don't think he's going to have – that opportunity to do that with Chris Paul there. Like, I think if you're paying what you have to pay for Devin Booker and he puts up Shea Gilgis, Alexander stats from last year, you'll be disappointed. Yeah, no, good point. And uh, must credit John Wall when saying spoon-fed assists. He did create that terminology. Nick, I know you're in a dynasty league, but if you were doing a redraft, who's a bust and somebody you're avoiding for their price and auction or ADP in a snake draft? I'll jump into that uh Quick second, but I flashed on my phone from TMZ uh, talking about guards. DeMar DeRozan chased off an intruder who broke into his L.A. home. Just going to throw that one out there right there. Wow. (laughs) People play fantasy. I love it. Yeah, I know. Uh, So so you guys mentioned him in in your guys' debate here. Uh, My guy in this list, so maybe I'll take some heat for it, but – He's going, I looked at Fantasy Bros for ADP because they put together Yahoo and ESPN all in one. So he's going 35th 
overall, they're saying, is Chris Paul. And I think Chris Paul, mm. when we, we, we can look at two different things here. Is he going to be good in on this new team w- with these guys? Is he going to be good with Booker and Aiton and, and Crowder and, and guys like that? Abs- absolutely. But from a fantasy basketball perspective, so strictly talking about fantasy, I don't think he is going to have to put up the same sort of things that he has in the past um, in terms of the statistics that get you the fantasy points. So last year, 17.7 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, 6.8 assists. Maybe he gets a bump in the assists, but when you got Devin Booker and Aiden on the, the court, I think I think they're going to have the heavier usage on this team. And you guys mentioned before, um, Devin Booker might not have the ball in his hands a lot. I, you might say the same about Chris Paul on, on this team. Maybe he won't have the ball in his hands as much as he has in the past. Um, I think he's going to be good for this team. I think he's going to do well with his new teammates. But I think from a fantasy basketball perspective, I don't think he's going to put up a ton of points in these categories that get you the fantasy points. So good player. He's 35 now. I don't know if that means he's going to slow down you know, a ton or anything like that. I think a lot of it's an IQ thing. But um, putting up the statistics, I don't think he's going to have to. I think um, this team's going to depend on on Aiden to eat up, obviously, the boards. And I think he might get a bump and assist, but he's not going to have to score as much. So maybe I'm wrong with that, but um, I'm strictly thinking fantasy basketball here. Yeah, and it's interesting that we have two people that are taking the Suns' backcourts for similar reasons. And Chris Paul has been my bust for the past, like, five years so I wanted to pick a new guy. Nick, great choice because I think he's a better real-life basketball player than fantasy at this time. Agreed. But for me, yeah. and, and okay. you mentioned him, it's Kyrie Irving. His ADP is 21.2. He's missed 20-plus games in six out of his nine seasons. So durability is not on his side. I think, and this is a different sport, I think a lot of times you look at a team on paper and you think that they're automatically going to click. And I'm looking at the New England page, or the Tampa Bay Bucks with Brady, Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and, you know, Gronkowski. And it's like, you know, they're, they're solving their growing pains. And I think that's what he's going to have with KD. They haven't played together on a non-Olympic you know, or USA team. Um, he averaged 27.4 points per game last year. That's likely going to go down with Kevin Durant there. His career assist per game is between five and six. But Kevin Durant's an ISO score. I don't think Kyrie is going to – his, his assist will go because he has Durant. Durant is probably one of the top three in the NBA of creating his own shot. And he has an, a career 2.5 turnover uh, per game. So that's going to ding you in that category. I think Kyrie is one of the most explosive players in the NBA and fun to watch. From a fantasy perspective, I do think he is overvalued, especially at that 21.2 ADP that Brad mentioned. But I want to now transition to being optimist again. You know, we're kind of like an EKG going up and down with our emotions here. And who's your sleeper this year? The Shea Gilgis Alexander of the year. Maybe this player is the next star or he's in a better position to see minutes this year. You know, maybe he's um, was on a team that traded someone that was blocking that path before. Brad, I want to start with you. Who's somebody that you're targeting in drafts? I know obviously me, you and coach are doing one together, but the pod's more important, right? <laughs> right. All right. So um, I kind of kept with the stat stuffing strategy, but looking for somebody a little more under the radar that I can get in the middle rounds. And for me, that's that's Dylan Brooks. Uh, he's ranked at guard number. He's ranked at guard number fifty-four, which is behind Shake Milton and Kevin Porter, just for context. <laughs> so he's the unquestioned number two on that team. Ja really provides pace and space. 
for him to fire off those pure threes that he shoots. He averaged 24 and three in the last month of the season last year. He's just becoming, he's becoming the guy. He's becoming the clear cut number two. And I think he's going to become a star. Um, he's going to give you threes. He's going to give you points. He's going to give you three point percentage, free throw percentage. And those in a categories league, that's very important. And I think he's going to be a great pick. You can get late. Yeah, and Dylan Brooks, like you mentioned, really, really big stud at the end of last year. Memphis is kind of transitioning finally from that grit and grind area, grit and grind era of Marcus Saul, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, and they're young and exciting with John Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, Justice Winslow. So great pick with that. Nick, you're wearing a Grizzlies jersey. Is there another Grizzly that maybe uh, is flying under the radar? Um, John Morant is an absolute stud, um, huge fan of his, but that's, that's not my pick for this. I went a little bit, a little bit deeper. Um, this guy I'm talking about, I'm looking at, uh, the league I'm in and where he was drafted last year. He was drafted 220th in the 19th round. Um, and I think he's going to have a much improved season. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but I like the chance for him to have a big bump. Tell me who it is. I'm dying to know now. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, Darius Garland. Um, oh, great pick. Yeah. So, so rookie year last year, he did bat a lot of injuries um, throughout the year. Uh, I don't think he missed like a lot of time, but um, he had an average at 12.3 points per game and almost four assists. I think now coming into the second year in the NBA, you know, his, his draft pro- profile said he had good separation. He's a shot creator, good shooter, great ball handler. I think the second year for Garland, I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable on the court. I think that um, he's going to get a bump in minutes, I think, with Sexton and Kevin Love and uh, Larry Nance, and I'm missing the biggest guy here, Andre Drummond. I think he can have a good bump in assists this year, playing time, and I, I actually expect Garland to have a, a big jump in his second-year production. Uh, that's a great pick. Great pick. Coach, did he take yours? I see a little smirk on your face. No, I'm, I'm smirking because uh, he mentioned um, Andre Drummond, and I know that's Brad Brad's favorite player in the NBA. Best rebounder of all time, baby. Of all time. Best rebounder ever. So, uh, no, I went on a different level. We all kind of are in different areas here. I'm going to go with the Aaron Fox from the Kings. I think that uh, he's going to take a huge leap this year, and he might go from Swiper Fox to Sniper Fox. They've had nine. Oh, I like that. I like that. Nine months off, and if you know anything, you've seen any of his interviews, heard him talk, he is one of the hardest workers and one of the most intelligent young men in this game. He got paid the max, and I think that he's going to really, really make an effort to live up to that. Um, so I, I look for De'Aaron Fox to make a huge, huge leap. Bogdanovich is now in Atlanta. Um, you bring in Halliburton, who a rookie would completely complement his game and is an off-ball guy. So I, I see a lot of motions with him in pick and roll situations, going up and down at fast rate, getting steals as he typically does, assists, and I see the three point numbers rising. That's where I see the change in his game to take a little bit of a step up. Yeah, so and I it's interesting. Increasing it's, here. Yeah, it's interesting because you know he's a in terms of sleeper, he's not a consensus first or second round pick yet. But you're kind of projecting him to be in that stratosphere when the season ends. So I like that pick. For me, it's interesting, Nick. I feel like we pick, you know, everybody you pick, somebody picks their backcourt teammate. For me, it's Colin Sexton. His ADP is 102.3. 
He's point guard and shooting guard eligible. So if your league is broken down where you have to have it by the certain position, he's going to have that flexibility. Last year, he averaged 20.7 points per game, 3.1 rebounds and three assists, shot 47% from two and 38 from three. So he's going to give you good ratios on that. He's actually the fourth longest tenured Cleveland Cavalier. And this is going to be their first full season without Jordan Clarkson. So the backcourt is just him and Darius Garland. And I think his assist numbers are going to go up. I think they're going to do a lot of pick and rolls with Andre Drummond, um, with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton both handling the ball. So I think even though Cleveland won't be a a good real-life team, at least on paper, I think from a fantasy perspective, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland will both eat. Nick, you agree? Did I step on you too much? No, no, no. You're fine with that. You're fine with that. All right. As long as I got P2W's approval, then I'm Gucci. I don't like either of them. I think the Cleveland backcourt situation is something they're going to have to address in the future drafts. I don't like the the fit. I don't like their projection for the future. I don't see stars out of either one of them. Coach, we're only talking fantasy perspective. We don't care about real life. We're Wizards fans. We don't like the Cavs. (laughs) Exactly. To Eric's point, like they're going to get all the usage. Like it's nobody but them. They are the two guys who they need to grow and they – Cleveland put a lot of investment into them, so they're going to get every opportunity to just do a lot and do everything for them. So I think it's a great fantasy pick. I can agree with that part. Thank you. And then the last thing we want to talk about is the rookie. So uh, who do you think is going to have an impact this season? So we're we're essentially having no training camp, minimal preseason as there's two to four games, and a 72-game regular season. A lot of these players haven't played a competitive game in over six months. So what rookie is grabbing your attention? I just want to start real quick. I know I bashed the Celtics for this pick, but I'm going Peyton Pritchard. So as Coach mentioned, Kemba's out till at least January. His last season at Oregon, he had 20.5 points per game, 5.5 assists, 4.3 rebounds, 1.5 steals. So doing a little bit of everything. I look at who's starting at that point guard position or who he's battling with. Jeff Teague is 32. Marcus Smart, they have listed as a point guard, but I think he's more defensive specialist and a shooting guard. Romeo Langford. And Carson Edwards, who's 5-11, and 11, um, Brad Stevens typically does a deep rotation. So I think that Peyton Pritchard is going to be receiving a lot of minutes right away. Keep in mind, I said this on previous shows, I don't think this is a really deep rookie class. I don't think you're going to have you know, someone making a huge impact, at least at the guard position. But I think Peyton Pritchard is going to be someone that should be rosterable. Um, Nick, I want to go to you and see who's your guy. You know, I... The guy I, I took notes on is, is not a guard. I'm realizing this now that it's a guard show, but I thought we were just talking uh, rook, rookies in general. I'm just going to th- throw my my guy in there. Oh, I, I thought it was just rookies in general. All right, so uh, in fantasy, the guy that I, uh, I'm trying to draft is uh, Obi Toppin um, coming out of this draft class. The reason being is, I mean, he was the eighth guy out of the draft class picked. Um, Tom Thibodeau gives a shit ton of minutes to the guys that are on the court. Um, I know this has a Bulls fan. Um, both sides of the ball, he can play. He's powerful, explosive at the rim, but he can also shoot mid-range and has a little bit of a three-point shot um, that's developing. Um, I think looking again at fantasy, um, and we're always talking specifically about fantasy here, I think he's going to give you a lot of points in different categories. So if he's going to give you some blocks here and there, he's going to eat up some boards. He's going to shoot from different areas. Um, he said himself, he's got like a body style of uh, Amari Stoudemire but he can shoot like Al Horford. So that, that's an interesting comparison. And I think on the Knicks, he's going to have no issue 
um, getting heavy minutes going into this year. So apologies for not picking a guard there. I got excited about this guy, so I had to talk about him real quick. It's all right. I know Brad doesn't mind at all. And speaking of Brad, let me hear your player, Garter Ford. Well, Eric, you're not going to like it. Um, I looked through all of the guards and kind of what they have in terms of, you know, the roles that they have to step into. Yeah. I'm not going to draft a single rookie guard ahead of any veterans. Like, that's just not something I'm into doing in terms of this fantasy draft season. There's nobody that intrigues me from a guard perspective. That's just how it is. I like a lot of centers and I like a lot of forwards. But from a guard perspective, there's nobody that I, I like more than veterans. You know, Brad, I'm not even surprised because you would throw a curveball like that. You had one <laughs> job to find a rookie that maybe you'd take a flyer on. Well, let, and let, me, uh, let me let me follow in Nick's footsteps here. Let me give let me give a center that I that I like a lot. No, you lost All your right. privileges. <laughs> you two, can do it next balls. show when we do forwards and centers. All right, Coach. <laughs> I know you have one. I know you have probably like five written down, but just pick the one that you're really crazy about. Um, I have my eyes on the most talented player in the draft, Mellow Ball. I mean, uh, he had uh, opportunities to step uh, in play. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that you're going to stay away from so I'm going to make sure to get him in our league. Uh, he was okay. averaging 17, 8, and 7 in the – I know it was the Australian league, but it just shows me that it, he can rebound. Um, we all know what a spectacular passer he is, so he's going to get dimes. I think, he's, I think his length is going to – He's going to be able to get some steals in the league and maybe some blocks. Um, I, I I like Lamelo Ball. He he's the franchise player now. Um, the keys are going to be handed to him, and I think with playing with smart players like Gordon Hayward um, and and Graham, I think that he's going to find a role. Um, he's going to have some bumps and bruises, but um, he's the guy that I, like I would take a flyer on as far as guards guards are concerned. And I'm staying away from Anthony Edwards. You know I don't like him. Um, Love Anthony Edwards. Beasley, <laughs> Rubio, D'Lo. No, no, wait, wait. We said the players you like, not the ones you take. I'm staying away from Edwards, so I'm just putting that on record. All right. Yeah, all right, so I had mentioned Brad, James, and I are going to do a draft. It's an auction draft. You have my promise. The first player I will nominate is LaMelo Ball. I will click nominate, and I will sit back. And I will have my hands behind my head. I will be sipping a brew, and I will let the bidding war go on. So that's a promise, and we can follow up in a couple weeks to confirm. Great discussion, guys. And new sponsor alert! New sponsor alert! Shady Rays! Fellas, don't you hate when someone's swag is so bright they blind the room and you're not prepared? Well, the boys at Shady Rays got you covered. Never risk your eyes' health again. I know we're coming up on winter, but spring will come again. Summer will come again. Eventually, we'll be over the Rona. And don't you want to be looking fly? They are quality and affordable. If you don't believe me, if they get scratched, broken, or dented, if an NBA player runs in the stands and punches you, they'll replace it. Every order placed Shady Rays will donate 10 meals to Feeding America. They've done 13 million so far. That's Justice Winslow's annual salary. Don't you want to feel good and give back during this holiday season? Get 25% off your order with the code TRIPLEPLAY at ShadyRays.com. This applies to anything besides the RX series. Get your bros, girlfriends, dogs, enemies, 
whoever a pair of Shady Rays this winter. So, fellas, our question of the week, and we brought the right man on for it, the owner of at least 40 jerseys, is what is the best basketball jersey you own? For the record, Nick is wearing a Ja Morant one. I don't know if that's going to be his answer, but Nick, you're the guest. You are the jersey aficionado, so enlighten us. All right. I, I do have way too many jerseys, and I have a lot of basketball jerseys. Even even have a, a Wizards jersey to talk uh, about your guys' team there. <laughs> um, uh, Hachimera one I actually have. No, but the uh, I think my favorite one I have is the the Mavs City jersey from last year. Uh, it's a Luka Doncic jersey. It's got like this bright bright blue uh, outline, and it's got the logo on the middle. I do like this job one. I'm wearing the light blue. Um, I also like the De'Aaron Fox, who was mentioned before. I, I have a purple. I'm a big purple guy. De'Aaron Fox jersey. So, so many jerseys. I'd, I'd say the city one's my favorite, but I, I probably have somewhere between like 15 to 20 basketball jerseys, I think. So, uh, big jersey guy and yeah, hard to choose. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, Nick only wears jerseys on podcasts. And he might wear them to the office as well. Who knows? Coach, I know you got... Every time we record, and, and obviously we only put the audio out, he has a new jersey hanging in the background. He has a Kobe one today and a Bullets one, as that's two topics we've talked about. What's your favorite jersey you own? So I'm a, I'm a big jersey head. I, I, it's actually a problem. I have over 60 LeBron James jerseys alone. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But my, my favorite, favorite jersey um, is my 2012 USA Blue threaded LeBron James. It's universal. I love to wear it to the amusement park, to the beach. It's beloved by most people. And you don't get that like hater look or chatter when you pull out a USA jersey. I mean, you're representing the country. Because if I go with my Cleveland day, are you still LeBron James fan? Or like you, you're going to go with him anywhere? Like you, you kind of get some of that banter going your way. But when you pull out the USA, it's like you're going to say something about the country. Oh, so, I love it. He's uh, right for a clock. We, we missed the Olympics. Olympics were this summer in, in, in another news to uh, 2020. We missed the USA basketball. So we'll see what happens with that. They're planning for it, I guess, next year. But yeah, Olympic jersey is my favorite thread. Great reasoning. Um, hate the player in terms of actually the, the thing. Love the person. LeBron's a great human being. Brad, I don't see you really wear jerseys, so I'm interested to hear where you're going. I used to be like a huge Jersey guy up until I got like to high school. That's when it slowed down. But uh, the best NBA Jersey I ever owned, I remember I got it for Christmas after begging for it for a year. It was the throwback Allen Iverson Sixers Jersey. Is it the red one? From when they were the Syracuse Nationals. Like oh, that is tough. That is tough. So the colors, the colors were navy blue and red. It's kind of like the Atlanta Braves colorway. And everything was stitched on, so it wouldn't fade every time you watched it. I remember that being, like, my prized possession as a, as a 13-year-old. Oh, man. AI jerseys were the ish as we were a kid. I want to give an honorable mention. I have a Mike Bibby Vancouver's teal jersey. Uh, that is the person that probably a million people have said I look like. Um, I'm his long-lost son. Um, so that's an honorable mention. For me, it's the one I'm wearing. It's the Gilbert Arenas Bullets. Uh, jersey, the ones that's mostly white with the navy and orange stripe. For any Wizards fans, Agent Zero has a special place in our heart. And I think Westbrook respects him too because he's number four for the Wizards. So 
you know, anyone who lives in the DC area, Gil is a legend here. And, you know, I don't think anyone will top that. But good discussion, you guys. We are going to transition to our game of the week. And sticking with the Jersey theme, I have 10 players here. And I'm going to ask you to give me their jersey numbers. So some of these players have only worn one number for their career. Some has, have worn have worn as many as four. So what I'm going to do is we're going to rotate. We're going to start with Nick, then James, then Brad, and then, you know, James, Brad, Nick. And I'm going to tell you the player. I'm going to tell you the number of jerseys that they had. And you're going to give me number of guesses. And you get a point for each jersey number you get right. And whoever has the most at the end is the winner. And we'll do a tiebreaker if necessary. Sound good, fellas? Do it. Man, All right. it's going to be tough. So number one, and some of these players are retired. Some of these are currently playing. So, um, but you will have all heard of them. So number one, we're going with Andrew Bogut, and he wore three different jersey numbers in his career. Nick, we're starting with you. I'm going to go Andrew Bogut. Jesus. I'm going to go 50, 55, and 25. Okay. James? Dude, I have no idea what Bogut's number ever was. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a random guess here. I'm gonna go six, one, and twenty-six. All right, and Brad. I'm gonna go twelve, thirty-five, and fifty-five. All right, well, a point each for James and Brad. He was six. 12 and 66 might only be the only 66 I can think of in basketball. So they're each on the board. Nick got to catch up on this one, my man. And we are starting, we're starting with James and we're going with David West. He wore three different Jersey numbers for his career. Um, I'm sure he had an oddball number for the, for the Warriors. I'm going to go with 30. I'm going to go with 50. And I'm going to go with 12. Okay. I'm going to go. Brad. The number three is popping up for me. So I'm going to go with 30. I'm going to go with 33 and I'm going to go 35. So 33 and 35? 30, 33, and 35. All right. And Nick. If if it's I'm cheating, if it's sticking out to Brad, then I, I'm gonna roll with at least one of those three. <laughs> That's so fine. I'm gonna go, That's why we rotate I'm order. Gonna go, I'm gonna go 33, 14, and 44. So 33, 13, 44. Sure All right, well, Nick, you followed the one incorrect one of Brad. Oh. Uh, he David West was three. 21 and 30. So after two, Brad's leading with three. James is two and a big old goose egg agent zero for Nick. You know he went 33, not three, right? Yeah, it's, it's only, I got two because I only did 33, not three. Oh, okay. 33 and 35. Okay. All right. Well, two for each of them. And Brad, we're starting with you. It's another guy that had three in his career. And it's uh, Boston Celtics assistant coach, Evan Turner, who wants to fight Jake Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to go with uh, 
28 and four. Okay. No, no, no. Ah, damn. All right, no, no, no. You can, you can change it. <laughs> well, now it's obvious. But it's, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Nick. I'm going to go 24, 14, and 13. All right. And coach. I'm going to go 20, 7, and 5. Well, a big old goose egg for all of you. He was 12, 11, and 1. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wrote it down. You know what? Y'all, that was embarrassing. No points on someone that wore three different jerseys. <laughs> that was the number two pick in the draft. I am disgusted. I thought 12 y'all would get, but I'm wrong. Next was, one. He was, like, was he like zero in college or something like that? I think he was 12 in college maybe. I don't 12. know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next one, and this guy only has one jersey number, OG and Anobi. And Nick, we're starting with you. You only get one guess on this. 14. James? 6. And Brad? 4. Another goose egg. He was number 3, or he is currently 3 for the Raptors. So, question 5, and we are starting with Coach. J.J. Barea, and he has worn two jersey numbers in his career. Oh... Big man, J.J. Barea. LeBron stopper in the fourth quarter of 2011 NBA Finals. <laughs> if you guys seen that clip where uh, he check, kind of checks himself into the game as a, as a joke and Luca has a ball on the side, check that little clip out. It is no hilarious. Um, J.J.'s two numbers, I'm going to go with little guy. He's got to have little numbers. This is me filibustering like Brad does. Um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, one and two. All right. Brad? I'm going to go with five and 90. All right. And Nick? I'm going to go with four and five. All right. Well, Nick is finally on the board, and Brad got a point two. He was five and 11. So the score... Midway through the game, Brad has three, James has two, Nick has won anyone's game. The next, Tobias Harris, Mr. Max Extension. He has four jersey numbers in his career, so plenty of points on the board here. And I believe we are starting with Brad, right? Yeah, I'll start with uh, 12. I'll do 33. I'll do 35. And I'll do – did I say 30? No. All right, yeah. Okay. Uh, Coach – or Nick? I'm going to go 12, 14, 16, and 34. Okay. And Coach? Such a confident 34 to look away. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with 12, 21, 30, and number one. All right. Well, two points each for Nick and Brad. His numbers were 12, 15, 33, and 34. So nice, nice little cushion, coach. I mean, I, I'm 
you're you're hitting a stall three only for you. So Brad's leading with five, and Nick has three himself. We have four remaining, and the next one, and uh, Nick, I believe we're starting with you, and that is Goran Dragic, and he has four jersey numbers in his career. Four fourteen. 22 and three. Okay. James? How many How many jerseys does he want? Four. Four. Um, all right. I'm going to go. Give me number one, number okay. seven, number 11, and number... Go 16. Okay. And Brad? I'm going to go one, three, four, and five. All right. Well, I believe that was two points for everyone. He was one, two, three, and seven. So all single digits. Maybe if he gets another one, he'll do like eight or nine or something. All right. So Brad has seven. James has five. Nick has four. And we are on number eight. And James, we're beginning with you. It's Jeff Teague, and he has three jersey numbers in his career, including his current one with the Celtics. You said three? Yes. Uh, um, for Jeffrey Teague, I'm going to go with three, zero, and double zero. Because I don't know which one it is. All right. Brad? I'm going to go with zero, three, and 20. Okay. And Nick? I'm, I'm stealing answers. I'm going with zero, three, and then 13. All right. Well, two for coach. He's zero, double zero, and 44. Oh, hey. Oh. I thought he was 20 when Brad said it, I was, but I'll take it. All right. So. Brad has eight, Coach has seven, and Nick has five. And we are on our last two. Brad, we are starting with you. And it is Nicholas Batum. He has two jersey numbers in his career. Mm. I'm going to go with double zero and 55. All right, Nick? 12 and 14. All right, and Coach? I'm going to go with... um, Double zero and 21. Wow, you guys all got zero. I thought one of you guys would have said 88. I mean, how many 88s are there? 88, that's the one. I said 55. I knew it was like a double number. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you didn't get the right one, so you didn't get the point. <laughs> all right, so heading into our final question Brad is eight, James is seven, Nick is five, and it's anyone's game. The guy is JJ Reddick. And he has four jersey numbers. So Nick, if you get all four of these, you can hypothetically win the game here. So uh, let, let me let me hear it. Let me hear it. I'm gonna go three, seven, twelve, and uh, twenty-one. All right, coach. He's got four. He said four of them. Yes, sir. All right, I'm gonna go three, seven, six, and twenty. I'm going to go 4, 7, 25, and 30. All right. Well, he was 7, he was 5, he was 4, 
and he was 17. So that means Brad is our winner of this week. Brad, this might be your first game that you've won. Uh, 15 seconds of FaceTime. Go ahead and take it. Yeah, I didn't plan to win since I never win these, so I don't have anything to promote on FaceTime. But I'd say uh, wear a mask and stay inside so we can all go outside again. I definitely retweet that. Um, Fellas, great show. Nick, really want to thank you uh, for coming on. It was a pleasure discussing basketball with you. Um, Is there anything that you want to tell the audience that you're working on or anything that you want to plug? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at at P2W Fantasy. Typically have two articles a week and one or two live streams. Uh, I should be on tomorrow at 10, I believe, with uh, potentially with Steve from Climb the Pocket talking uh, NFL preview. So thanks again for having me on. It's nice to talk about something other than football for once. So, Yeah, and I mean, he's got you covered year-round, whether it's NFL, whether it is NBA. He is constantly grinding. A reminder, stop playing to play and play to win. We will be back next week talking fantasy forward slash center previews, trying to get you right before your drafts. Until then, stay safe. Like Brad said, wear a mask, and we will see you then.